Hello everyone and welcome back to Murphy's League. Feels good to be saying that. Hope you guys have had a great day. Um, I know it's a little late in the day. This is probably going to be out by Friday night. I'm aware of that. Um, I'll remind you guys. I'll post it again Saturday morning, something like that. I know not too many people are going to be listening on a Friday night, so I'll make sure to upload it to my story a couple times. In today's episode, I've got a lot of really fun stuff planned out. I'm going to be talking about the KD situation. Just pretty briefly, I'm going to break down my NFC North predictions, and I was going to have a segment of the brightest futures for the NBA and the NFL, but the more I did it, the more it was just like, yeah, no shit. Like, obviously, the Bucks' future is bright. They have Giannis. Obviously, the Bills' future is bright. They have Josh Allen. So I really didn't <laughs> want to do it. I kind of find myself just not interested in it as I was writing it, and if I'm not interested in it, there's no way in hell you guys are going to be interested in it. So instead... I'm replacing that segment with fantasy players that you should be targeting and fantasy players that you should be avoiding. I know NFL, or excuse me, I know fantasy drafts for some of you have actually already passed, so I gotta get on that while I still can. That's gonna be tucked away at the end, but I will put time steps on this one. Just so, if you want to go ahead and listen to that, go for it. Um, there's a lot of players on there. I think in the avoid category, I only put like four or five. Um, I'm looking right now. Yeah. I, I put six names on the avoid category, so um, not like nothing crazy, but the players I'm targeting is actually a pretty extensive list, so you're going to want to give that a listen. So you can get an advantage over your teammates, um, or league mates, not teammates, and you know beat their ass and finish this year, and win the money and not get punished for it. So I always clap when I do these podcasts, and I don't know why I do that. It's not like there's a camera here. It's not like, it's nothing like that. It's just, I just clap, and it's probably very loud. Oh man, it's been a long day, so let's just jump right into it with the KD news. So, obviously, don't talk much about the NBA on this podcast, trying to do it a little more. KD, if you're not aware, I'm sure most of you guys are, if you're listening to this, you probably already know what the situation is, so I'm just going to give you my opinion about it. I'm not going to dwindle on this too long. Um, let's start the conversation with a new story coming out that KD met with the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, and he says he wants Steve Nash and Sean Marks out, and then he will stay. He basically gave the owner of the Brooklyn Nets an ultimatum. I believe it was in, like, Barcelona, Spain, or something like It was in, like, London. It was, it was somewhere not in the continental United States, which I thought was funny. And um, to add to this story, he was also seen... Oh, this is what it was. He met with the owner in London. He was working out with James Harden in Spain. So just keep that in mind as I tell this story i'm gonna unravel my opinions about it i'm gonna you know tell you the facts that we have so far i guess um first off i don't know if anything like this has really ever happened before if it has then i don't know about it um let me know if i'm wrong i mean i totally could be again the nba is not really my forte i'm trying to get more into it i'm obviously a big fan but i'm not as informed on it i'm not as dialed in as nearly as dialed in as the nfl um and I don't see how this could possibly happen. I'll just say that. If the Nets have already shown they absolutely do not want to trade him. They absolutely have shown that you know they don't want to get rid of the guy. It's very clear and obvious. Um, this will not force their hand. They will not fire those guys. I think it's bizarre how quickly things seem to turn sour. And whatever. I'll get into that. Again, at the end of the day, he's still under contract. So if this really continues... It seems like, you know, his last option would really just to be... If he genuinely doesn't want to play and he's still under contract, his last option would just be sitting out. Um, again, I don't know what the odds of that are. I imagine pretty low just as a competitor. I don't really see him doing that. And, you know, legacies on the line and all of that. Um, if anything, it would just hurt him and maybe, like, be less likely to be traded because no one's seeing what he's doing. Um, and again, I think the Rudy Gobert trade just really fucked up the trade market. You have to trade such a boatload for any superstars now because of that trade. Like, directly because of that trade, trade the trade market's just screwed. You have to trade so many assets now to get a superstar like that. And I don't even think necessarily Rudy Gobert was a superstar. Obviously, the Timberwolves are getting a lot of hate for that trade. Um, a lot of it deserved. Anyways, that's not what we're talking about here. It's very clear something went very wrong between the coaching staff and the, you know, the GM and KD. But to me, again, it's just crazy how fast all this could happen. And so much of it is, to me, 
And again, I'm not inside. I don't know what's going on in the ins and outs. There could be a lot more behind the scenes. But from an outside point of view, from what I've heard from people that I trust as far as, you know, it's not like they're in the building, but, you know, I listen to people. I, I hear people talk about this. Um, I feel like he's just blaming the wrong people. It feels like it's not on the fault of Steve Nash or the GM. Um, I mean, think about it this way. Obviously, he chose the Nets with Kyrie. Seemed like a duo that was going to take over the league. And then they play together. There's some injuries in between. But the entire time, the relationship between the Nets, Kyrie, and KD all seemed, you know, great. And then COVID messed that up. But again, we'll get to that. Next thing you know, Harden's brought in. And this team looks like they're even closer to the championship caliber, you know. They... Ended up the second seed that year with Harden. Harden had a really good run for a little bit there. And then there were some on and off injuries with KD and Harden. And it, it was the hamstring, I believe, for Harden. I believe there was like a knee injury for Kyrie, something like that. Um, or an ankle for Kyrie. Kevin's foot was obviously barely on the line to win the game. It goes to OT. They lose in seven to Milwaukee. So we all know how that goes. We all remember that series. That was insane that was when we you know we really thought like wow this team might do it and then obviously they come into this year as i think they were the favorites to win it all if not they were one of them they were up there for sure um kd signs his extension after that so of course four more years in brooklyn looking like wow we're really gonna get this going again this is awesome of course we all know what happened last year Kyrie didn't play a majority of the year due to covid19 protocols in the state of new york um, refused to get vaccinated, so didn't play for a lot of the of the season. Um, another large reason that a lot of shit went wrong in this year is James Harden was regressing a little bit. Uh, had like maybe some lingering hamstring issues, according to some people. But it seemed like Harden and Durant still had a great relationship. Uh, again, like I mentioned, they were seen hanging out in London with Travis Scott backstage, and then they were working out together in Barcelona. Um, we all know they've got a very long history. These dudes seem to be very close. So adding this all up, Kyrie barely played that last season. Harden had a, some injuries and in there were reports of particularly when KD was out that Harden and Kyrie weren't really getting along in the locker room. Uh, I think, again, I think Kyrie's sitting out really had to do with that relationship being spoiled. I mean, as a competitor myself, or, you know, I'm not like a fucking professional athlete. I'm not, I don't mean that. But what I'm trying to say is putting yourself in, a, in someone's shoes that's that competitive as a professional athlete and you have a teammate who's supposed to help you, you know, bring you over the top, bring you to the championship game and he's not playing because he won't get a shot. Like, obviously, obviously you can say whatever you want. It, it, I don't want to get political and it doesn't matter what you really want to do. But in this case, it's just you want to win a championship. You want to put your team in the best possible position. I don't understand how that wouldn't ruin that relationship between those two people. That's that's all I'm going to say it that way. It's just it seems extremely influential to the whole situation going down. And then obviously, soon after the Harden trade buzz really picks up, and I, me personally, I didn't really think it was going to happen, but I, there were a lot of people saying like this is definitely happening. There's when there's smoke, there's fire, and that is absolutely true. When there is smoke, there is fire. Next thing you know. It happens. All the picks are going towards Brooklyn. They get Ben Simmons. Um, ben Simmons doesn't play, which I again I really don't think helped the situation with KD, and I think that really frustrated him because again they have a very good relationship. But at the same time, it's not like Harden ever demanded a trade, but it kind of sounded like he wanted out, and I think a lot of it had to do with Kyrie. Um, so I'm not again I'm not like using Kyrie as a scapegoat. I think there's a lot more than just simply saying, oh, Kyrie didn't get vaccinated and that's why this didn't work. No, there's a lot more moving pieces here. But the point that I'm trying to make is to go to the owner of the team and try and blame the GM and the head coach is just wrong to me and just doesn't make any sense. I think the GM was extremely aggressive in making this team and setting it up the way you know KD really wanted it to, to be. Uh, frankly, it was... A great roster they had a tremendous talent they had everything set up for them and obviously it didn't end up working out it's one of the biggest collapses in and uh almost said nfl in nba history and now we know that in retrospect that you know 
it doesn't always work out the way it's supposed to. It maybe it's it could have been better if you know, COVID you know, wasn't as bad as it was or what what you know what I mean. The, my point is, I think KD is completely blaming the wrong people here. I think the GM, first off, he signed that extension. That was one hundred percent his choice after that series loss. Um, he. I don't know what was going on in the conversations between him and him and Kyrie, but again, me personally, just speaking out of how I think someone in his shoes would think, I would imagine that that would be extremely infuriating that you have a teammate that you joined in Brooklyn to win a championship with that's choosing not to play. And I know it's not that simple. He had to get the vaccine, but at the end of the day, you're a professional athlete making millions of dollars and you your entire legacy your entire goal yeah maybe some people are way more in it for the money than others and that's completely fair but it's to win a championship it it has to be to win a championship that's the reason why you're there with kd that's the reason why they brought harden in when they did and i mean the nets have been extremely aggressive for durant and kyrie to have success but you know due to some unforeseen injuries and kyrie not playing a ton of games this team has been, you know, a total disappointment. Now it's blowing up in their face. Um, so again, I just really don't know how much blame can be put on the Nets front office. I truly think Durant is using them as a scapegoat for his teammates' problems. That's really how I view it in my in my eyes. I just think it's a total scapegoat situation. Um, I don't think it's fair. I don't think anything's going to happen out of it. I don't think this ultimatum's you know, going to go through. I don't think Steve Nash is going to get fired. I don't think the GM's going to get fired. But, you know, you just, you never goddamn know. It, it's crazy that this is even a possibility and that this is even a conversation. So again, have your opinion about the vaccine. It really doesn't matter to me. What does is that they came to win championships and I think Kyrie really held them back from doing that. There was some unforeseen circumstances as far as injuries go. Kyrie and Harden didn't seem like they got along, so then Harden wanted to get out of there. Um, Harden and Durant are very, very close, so I think that really rubbed him the wrong way when he was traded out of there. But again, it's Harden, I mean, he didn't demand a trade, but he was pretty clearly trying to get out of there from, you know, from a little bit ago. So... I don't know. Let me know what you guys think about this whole situation. I think it's just completely bizarre and unheard of. I've never seen anything like this. If there is something that has happened like this, let me know because I I can't think of anything off the top of my head that has been remotely like this. And I mean, this Brooklyn Nets drama just continues to be, frankly, it gives me content. So it's really entertaining. It's just so bizarre. All right. This is where I was going to do teams of the brightest futures, but I'm not going to because again, kind of boring don't really care too much about that um so let's just jump right into my nfc north predictions i know i did the afc west i believe i did the nfc south um and two more conferences that i can't or divisions that i can't remember with joe and or sorry with reese and cole um whatever it doesn't matter my point is i'm gonna do the rest of them one at a time in my next upcoming episodes because after this one i'll have three left so in the next three episodes you'll hear my predictions for the rest i believe the season starts in just about three weeks here so that should line up with the last conference being the last week before football if i'm not mistaken i think that's i think that's right either way we'll get all the predictions in there so if you listen along you can make some bets on them i'm also gonna do i think the week before maybe like a couple weeks before i'm gonna do um I think that's next week's episode, now that I think about it, actually, because I already have it written up. Yeah, that is next week's episode. So next week's episode is going to be my favorite win total over-unders, so stay tuned for that, because there's some really, really good ones, I'm not going to lie, like, as far as the odds being, you know, bettable, I think there's some really good bets out there, so you're going to want to check that out. There's some good player props on there, too, so that is going to be out Wednesday, but anyways, back to the podcast, NFC North predictions. We're going to start with my Bears. Because I just want to, you know, rip this bandit off while I have to. I have the Bears going 2-15. and 15. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that makes them the worst team in the league. I think that gives them the first overall pick. It's going to be between them or the Falcons. I did do the NFC South, so I could find that somewhere. I wrote it down on paper, I think. Um, 
I could find that. Either way, there's a recording of me saying it. It, it. If it's not two and fifteen for the Falcons as well, then it's like three and fourteen. So my point is, one of these two teams is the worst team in the league, in my opinion. And yeah, my the Bears all I have them beating. The only two teams I have them beating are. Um. Wait a damn second. I think I mixed up two teams here. Now I'm kind of confused. Oh, here we go. No, no, I just like put the Lions and Bears way too close together. Um, I only have them beating. Oh, wait, I do have them beating the Falcons. So maybe the Falcons are the worst team in the league, and the Jets, and that's it. Other than other than that, I mean, some really really tough losses in here. I wanted to have them beat the Giants, but I just couldn't do it. I think the Giants roster is just better. I think the Giants have a better D line, they have a better O line, um, and that's really like what's going to matter in these types of games. I think that it's just going to be shit fest with horrid offense and their weapons are better they're just a better roster like you can't even argue it's a better roster um coaching staff that's maybe a little more proven so that doesn't help either i also have them losing to the texans which again that's another one i really wanted to switch but i just i couldn't let myself do it uh, mostly because i think the bears roster again I'm, I'm taking it back to the roster i think it's that bad i think it's god awful and i think the texans will at least be a little better this year they have a really good young secondary with some pieces there as far as Derek stingley and jalen petrie those guys are studs i think those guys are going to be really really good nfl players davis mills actually had a surprisingly good rookie year he was the second best rookie quarterback last year um they still have some dudes there that can you know make some plays on the outside like brandon cooks um I need, I need to chill with the ums. Another team I wanted to give them a W over, but again, I just I just couldn't do it, was the Commanders. We're not as good as the Commanders. Like, I have to be 100% real with myself. I really wanted to because, you know, the Commanders and, you know. But at the end of the day, they did upgrade a quarterback technically. Even if it's Carson Wentz, it is an upgrade. They still have good perimeter weapons in Curtis Samuel, Terry McLaurin. Uh, their defense should, on paper, be better. Hopefully, Chase Young, you know, picks it up a little bit more. He didn't have his, quite the sack production that you're looking for in a guy of his, you know, talent and caliber. I think he will, though. So, my point is, they're a better roster. You can, you get the point. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna shut up about the Bears now. Two and fifteen for my Chicago Bears. Sorry, ass team. The Detroit Lions. Some of you guys might be kind of surprised by this one. Maybe not, honestly. If you told me the Lions won three games next year, I would not. Actually, yeah, I'd be pretty shocked. I'd say, like, if they, if someone told me they were, like, 5-12, and 12, I'd totally believe it. If someone told me they went, they snuck, like, eight wins out, nine wins out, I would kind of believe that, too. I was on the more giving side. I was on the more generous side. I was feeling, you know, like some love for these Lions fans. They've been through the hell that is being a Lions fan, and now I feel like I'm in their position. Anyways, I have the Lions going 7-10. and 10. I have not beating the... I'll just list out the teams I have not beating because I genuinely think all these teams have a worse roster than the Lions. I have not beating the Seahawks. That was pretty easy. I have not beating the Bears, obviously. I have not beating the Giants. I have not beating the Jags. I have not beating the Jets. So both New York teams. I have not beating the Panthers. And then I have them beating the Bears. I almost switched that Panthers one, and they could be six and eleven. That's totally fair. I was just a little more generous to them because I really, I don't know. Maybe it was just because I did this right after I watched the first episode of Hard Knocks. But I'm really buying what. Um, wow, I'm forgetting his name right now. What the head coach is putting down? Why am I forgetting the coach's name? Um, Whatever. He's he's a great guy. Why am I forgetting his name? Holy shit. That's really pissing me off. Um, very, very passionate. I think that's really rubbing off on the rest of the team. This team is just so invested, clearly. They've got some really good leaders on that team. It's crazy to see Jamal Williams be just an absolute, you know, lighting it up in the locker room and, you know, in the huddle and just taking over that that com like he's commanding those those men is what I'm trying to say and it's really really cool to see not really what I'd expect from you know a guy who's just been there for two years um, but what I'm trying to say is these dudes got passion and on paper their roster is 
not that bad, realistically. I mean, if Jamison Williams can be healthy, they have good weapons with Amara, Sam Brown, Jamison Williams, TJ Hawkinson. That's a really damn good trio for receivers. DeAndre Swift is an absolute stud who, by the way, he's going to get a lot of PPR fantasy points. If you're in a PPR league, get DeAndre Swift. I'm in PPR this year. He's someone I really like. There's a little sneak preview for some guys you should be targeting. Um, I had him last year, and he was an absolute beast for me. If he could have stayed healthy the whole year, he easily would have finished in the top five running backs. I mean, on defense, they still have, you know, obviously Aiden Hutchinson is there now, huge upgrade. Josh Pascal is an absolute stud they got in the second round. Coming off the other end, I think he's really, really, really good. Uh, Jeff Okuda, it can't get any worse than what we've seen, so hopefully it'll be better. Uh, my point is, this is not a roster that should have only won three games last year. I mean, the shit that this team went through last year was absolutely ridiculous. They should have beat the Ravens if it wasn't for, you know, a world record fucking kick. They should have beat the, I think it was the Vikings as well, who also beat them on a last second field goal. It was just a lot of little bullshit like that. They easily could have been a five or six win team last year. So I'm seeing positive regression in their future. I have them winning seven games. The Vikings, the Minnesota Vikings. I actually am pretty goddamn high on the Vikings this year. And maybe it's a little bit of like Colin Coward rubbing off of me and whatever. I, I do listen to Colin Coward. You can give me shit about that, but I really like the way he just like presents things as a story and all these metaphors and stuff. He's, he's a good listen. Anyways, he does have some really horrid takes and maybe he gets shit that he deserves, but maybe he also gets too much shit. Whatever. The Minnesota Vikings, if you're a Vikings fan, you're going to love me right now. I have you guys winning the division and going 12-5. and five. I have you guys beating the Packers week one. Actually, I have you guys starting, what, 5-0. and oh. I don't have your first losses until the Dolphins, and I believe I only did that because it's in Miami. So I don't think, you know, going from the cold to the heat, I think it's just going to be too much. Um, I think on paper, though, you guys are definitely the best roster. I love how I'm saying you guys. I think the Vikings are definitely the best roster in this division. I honestly don't really think it's close. The other, the only other one game, excuse me, in these first five that I was considering switching was the Saints, um, but I just couldn't do it. The Vikings, I'm sorry, but they kind of own the Saints. It's <laughs> In recent history, they have been very dominant against the Saints. Um, I haven't beaten the Cardinals, the Commanders. I do have them losing to the Bills because I think the Bills are going to be one of, if not the best team in the league this year. I haven't losing to the Colts. I haven't losing... I'm splitting with the Packers. So, yeah, again, 12-5. and five, That's good for 12-5. and five. Have them sweeping the Bears, sweeping the Lions. Not much of a surprise there. Um, but, yeah, I think I'm a lot higher on the, on the Vikings than some people. I think others might have them maybe splitting with the Lions, uh, maybe losing to the Cowboys. But, realistically, I do think their roster is a lot better than the Cowboys. Um, maybe losing to like a team like the Cardinals. Again, the Saints is another one. But when I just compare their roster, I mean, this is a damn good roster. They're, they have a really good pass rush duo if Daniel Hunter and Zadarius Smith can stay healthy. They have a young up-and-coming secondary in theory. Lewis Seen and Harrison Smith are going to make a really good tandem at safety. Um, their offensive line is serviceable. And then, of course, on offense, with Kevin O'Connell bringing that system in, I think it's going to be much improved. I think Kirk might have... A career year this year I think Justin Jefferson is you know the bomb he's he's him and we all know he's him um, Adam Thielen if he can stay healthy should have a really good year the one thing I am slightly concerned about the Vikings is if they do have some injuries their depth is a little shady but in theory if they can stay healthy this is a really really damn good roster or if they can be healthy at the right times you know if they're one of those teams that gets injured early on but then they get healthy come before playoffs they could seriously make a run all right, so the Packers, this felt pretty damn good, actually. And maybe, again, I've been terrorized by the Packers my entire life, so maybe this is just me speaking out of resentment. But I have the Packers going 10-7. and seven. I think that's reasonable. It's still a winning record. still good to make the playoffs. Um, Aaron Rodgers regresses a little bit just because he doesn't have those weapons. I think their defense, realistically, is going to be really damn good. I think it's going to be one of the best defenses, if not the best defense, that Aaron Rodgers has ever played for. We all know how good of a head coach Matt LaFleur is. So, again, this could be a little bit, um, what's the word, pessimistic, but I don't give a shit. It's the Packers. I'm not going to be positive about the Packers. And you could definitely argue that, 
you know, there's a couple more wins I could have snuck off here. I have them losing to teams like the Patriots. I have them losing to the Dolphins. I have them losing to the Eagles. You could argue that that would go the other way, and I'd be totally okay with that. You could easily argue for them to be 13-4, and four, um, and that's, you know, good enough to win the division. You could even argue that they're going to go 12-5, and five, as well as the Vikings, split with the Vikings, and then they're going to have to go into the conference play to see who would win the division, technically. That would be totally reasonable for you to say, too. But again, I just think offensively, they're going to be a lot more stale than years past. I think with Devontae Adams gone, obviously we all know that's a huge deal. And Alan Lazard is no Devontae Adams. That's not surprising at all. But I think just because, you know, Aaron Rodgers, Matt LaFleur, this defense is going to be really damn good. Um, you still don't want to go to Lambeau, especially in the cold against this team. Because they can maul you, they can run you over. Um, I mean, defensively, just saying, Devontae Wyatt and Quay Walker, really, really good additions. I, I know I kind of clown them for the Quay Walker pick, and I still think it wasn't the best pick, but at the end of the day, he's a really goddamn good player, and he's going to be a great complimentary piece to Devondre Campbell. Uh, Eric Stokes could have a really, really good second year. He was really impressive as a rookie, because rookie corners tend to normally struggle. It's one of the hardest positions to transfer, or to transfer, to... Uh, What's the word? Trans, uh, trans, uh, I don't know, whatever. You get my point. It's one of the hardest positions to move from, from college to the NFL. Um, that and like offensive line play, honestly. Regardless, they have him back there. They've got Jerry Alexander. I still think Darnell Savage is actually pretty goddamn good. Uh, Rashawn Gary had a career year last year. Uh, Devondre Campbell obviously was a all-pro linebacker last year. I don't expect him to nearly have as good of a year, and I think Quay Walker is just going to make up for that lack of production. Either way, this is a really... Oh, Kenny Clark, of course. This is a really, really nasty, really good defense, and it's the type of defense that's built for like the cold. You don't want to play them in that atmosphere. It's Yeah, you get my point. Packers, 10-7, and that could be a little pessimistic. It could be a couple more. So... With all that being said, we are at the very last segment of today's pod. It's going to be players to avoid and players to target in your fantasy football drafts. So let's start with the negative. Let's start with players to avoid. Um, this does kind of hurt me to say because he's my guy. I love this dude. But at number one, I have to include him. It's David Montgomery. I mean, I think this Bears offense is going to be so pathetic. And I think it's just going to absolutely affect everything. I know they're kind of bringing in that that uh, LaFleur Shanahan type like zone running. And I think that will help a little bit as in the long term. But as far as this year goes, because again, there's just no weapons on the perimeter. They can easily stack box and just, you know, play cover three, stack the box, and then just go one-on-one -on -one in coverage with the corners and it's going to be over from there. And it's not like this O-line is doing him any favors. It's a terrible O-line. It could improve as the year goes on. There are some promising pieces. There's some young guys. If Tevin Jenkins is still on the team by then, I really, really, really like me some Tevin Jenkins. I've always liked Tevin Jenkins. I liked Tevin Jenkins before he was in on the Bears. Um, so I really hope they don't fuck that up. I don't like what this regime is doing already, I gotta say. I didn't really love their first two picks. I mean, they're good players, but it's just not what we were looking for at the draft. Um, I don't like how they're handling the Roquan Smith situation. I don't like, excuse me, I thought I was gonna sneeze. I, I Again, I don't like what they're doing um, as far as free agent signings. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's rough. I know in theory they're going to have, you know, the most cap space in NFL history next year and they're going to overpay for all these free agents and they're going to bring in all these guys. It's like no one's even going to want to come if you guys are that bad. You're going to have to overpay them like absolute craziness. Uh, you might ruin Justin Fields' development because he has no weapons around him. His offensive line is trash and you're a defensive-minded head coach. So it just... Yeah, I mean, I could rant about this for hours. I think my Bears are in absolute trouble. My point is, don't draft David Montgomery this this draft season. Um, I know the running back position is extraordinarily thin this year, it seems like. And the wide receiver is it, just so deep. Um, and normally, I'm, ad, I'm an advocate of taking running backs early and then just stacking a shit ton of receivers late. And it tends to do pretty well for me. 
But this year, it's just such a weird year with all the PPR scoring and stuff. I think there's a bunch of receivers that are going to be super productive. With how the league is moving, and it's so pass-heavy now, I think there's going to be some receivers that just absolutely light up the league. My point is, don't drop David Montgomery. I know it might seem like a decent option at like the beginning of the fourth or maybe the end of the third. Honestly, I don't really know where his ADP is. Um, I can check that right now, actually. I've got it open. Um, for PPR, his ADP, yeah, that's just way too high. He's the 17th ranked running back ahead of guys like ETN. Um, man, the running back position sucks the more I look at it. It fucking sucks. Like, I, I'll name the first or the next five guys after him. It's Ezekiel Elliott, Antonio Gibson, Brees Hall, Josh Jacobs, Travis ETN. Honestly, I don't love any of those guys either. Um, I'll talk about Gibson in just a second, why I don't like him. I think if I had to take some of those guys, it'd probably be Brees Hall. It'd probably be Travis Etienne. This is PPR scoring format. And then in order, it'd probably be Zeke, Jacobs, and then Gibson. But even beyond that, I mean, there's guys I like more. I like Dobbins more than most. Yeah, I think I like Dobbins more than all those guys. I mean, I like AJ Dillon a lot. I'm not sure if he's going to be better than a guy like Brees Hall. Um, or Jacobs, or maybe even, no, nah, he'd, he'd, he's probably going to be more productive than Zeke. Um, but my point is, there's guys you can target later on in the draft, even Kenneth Walker, which I know sounds crazy, he's on the Seahawks, the Seahawks are going to be awful, but I just think he's that good, and he's still so young with such little tread on the tires. I think Kenneth Walker could potentially have a really good season. Um, I think there's just a ton of value picks later on, like James Cook and, uh, excuse me, and Damian Pierce. But again, I'm spoiling the rest of my episode, so we'll get to that later. My point is, do not take David Montgomery in this year's draft. The Bears are going to be goddamn awful. Let's just piggyback right into another player that I just mentioned there. Do not draft Antonio Gibson. The only reason why you shouldn't take Antonio Gibson, and I was actually a pretty big Antonio Gibson guy the last two years. I was very high on him coming into the NFL's rookie year. I really liked him last year. I drafted him on my team. ended up trading him. Um... But I, I really like Antonio Gibson as a player. The only reason why I don't like him here is because they brought in Brian Robinson from Alabama. Um, pretty similar mold. I think Brian is maybe a little bigger. I'm not entirely sure. Don't quote me on that. Um, my point is, I think he's definitely going to end up stealing some touches. He could definitely steal some goal line work. Um, and that's they still have J.D. McKissick there, who's going to be catching a lot of balls out of the backfield. So that just leaves his floor so low. If he's not going to be catching balls, if he's going to be basically splitting a backfield, even if it's 60-40, but he's catching absolutely no footballs, that is just not something I want to target at, what did I say he was? Like 18th ranked running back? That's just not what I want to target. Yeah, 19th ranked running back. That's just not the type of value you want to get at your 19th ranked running back. If he's not going to be catching any balls, he's going to be splitting workload. Again, even if he's getting more, that's really not leaving you with that many points, especially in PPR format. Up next, you're going to want to avoid Elijah Mitchell. I know that might be kind of a hot take, but just hear me out, okay? They took Tyrion, Tyrion, Tyrion? Tyrion Davis-Price, I don't know if that's how you say his name, Tyrion? I don't know. With their second pick in last this last draft in the third round, I believe it was like the 60-something pick. I don't, I don't remember. Uh... Oh, 93rd pick. I'm lying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, he wasn't a second-round pick. He was a third-round pick, but it was their second pick because they didn't have a first-round pick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes more sense. Anyways, uh, Kyle Shanahan goes to running backs like no tomorrow. Like, he just rotates, rinse, 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 <laughs> rinse, wash, repeat. Sorry, I got the – I mixed uh, the the rinse and the wash part. I almost did it again. I almost just said rinse. Um, <laughs> yeah, so – you just can't trust any of these guys, if I'm being honest. It's, I mean, who have we seen come in and out of that system? We've seen so many random guys just look elite in that system. Carlos Hyde had his time for a little bit there. Um, we were all super high on Trey Sermon when he came in. We thought he was going to be the guy. Um, there's a name I'm forgetting right now that before Elijah Mitchell was there, that everyone was drafting that I can't think of right now. Anyways, my point is, Shanahan and his running backs, you almost never know who's going to be the lead back. You almost never know how touches are going to be split. He does tend to have workhorses, um, but Elijah Mitchell is a fifth-round pick. He got his use out of him. Uh, Tyrion Davis-Price, they're not just going to take a guy in the third round like that and never use him. I mean, they kind of did that with Trey Sermon, so maybe, again, maybe this isn't the best take. But me personally, 
I would not be taking that risk. You, that's all you. Me personally, and if I'm giving you advice, I would stay away from Elijah Mitchell this season. Up next, very similar reasoning to Elijah Mitchell, Damian Harris. I really think Ramon J. Stevenson is coming for that starting running back role. And even then, what does a starting running back in New England even mean? They tend to use committees. Um, I think James White's still there. J.J. Taylor gets a lot of catches out of the backfield. And again, Damian Harris is one of those dudes that just does not catch the ball ever. So that leaves him with a much lower floor, and especially in a PPR foreign score mat. That is not what you want to have. Up next, Michael Thomas. I know, that's probably another really hot one. He hasn't played in forever. When he did play, he was extremely dominant. But for me, he's old enough, and this injury is severe enough, that I just need to see it to believe it. I'm Me, personally, I'm not going to take that risk in drafting him. I really feel like this ankle injury is going to be around for probably his entire career. And it sucks to say that, because Michael Thomas was... You know, one of the best guys to do it, but the best asset a football player can have is availability. Your body is, you know, it's their, what makes him all that money. If he's not on the field, if he's not producing for you in fantasy, then what does it really matter? Especially with an injury like this, it could be one of those things where he starts the year off great, he feels great, and every single cut that he's making on that ankle is just a little bit more stress, and a little bit more stress, and a little bit more stress, and a little more stress. And then next thing you know, week 14 or week 12 or whatever, some some week later in the season when you're in your fantasy championship game, it's announced that his ankle's done and he's not going to be ma- there for you in the championship game. Maybe he helped you get there. And I don't know. I, me personally, I don't like the risk involved. I think injuries in fantasy, you should not go looking for them because they will find you. A very smart man once told me that. And it's absolutely true you do not want to draft players that typically are injured um there's one exception coming up here in a little bit but as a general rule of thumb this dude hasn't played football in two years for a reason his ankle was jacked so i would stay away from michael thomas another receiver i'm staying away from and again this this has a lot to do with where he's ranked i'm going to check that really quick um is deontay johnson deontay johnson had a weirdly good year last year for being with big ben and, and you know, Big Ben was an absolute shell of himself. Deontay Johnson is currently ranked the wide receiver 15, ahead of guys like Jalen Waddle, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, Brandon Cooks, Mike Williams, which is absolutely insane to me, Corlin Sutton, Jerry Judy, Darnell Mooney, Amaral St. Brown, Marquise Brown, Chris Godwin. Like, some of those names, I, on, genuinely, I think every single name I just named, I would draft over Deontay Johnson this year. And that's saying a lot, because I really like Deontay Johnson. I think Deontay Johnson is an absolute stud wide receiver. The problem isn't Deontay. The problem is his quarterbacks. Who the hell is going to be throwing him the ball? I mean, Mitchell Trubisky is not it. I can say firsthand, that dude is not it. And he's never going to be it. And... <laughs> I just don't love Kenny Pickett, if I'm being honest, especially in like a pro system like this. I think he just holds onto the ball way too long. I saw that play out last year with Justin Fields, and we all know how that ended up going for him. So I just really don't like the quarterback system here. I still think the Steelers are going to have a really good defense. I mean, maybe draft their defense, but even then, if your offense is that bad, your defense is going to be on the field all the time. This is not the point. I'm not here to talk about their defense. I'm here to talk about Deontay Johnson and who's throwing in the ball. And exactly, who is throwing in the ball? A fucking, uh, either one unproven guy that takes forever to get rid of the ball or one guy that's proven that he's not very good. So <laughs> I really don't like the situation there, especially for, for where he's going. I would avoid Deontay Johnson at basically all costs. All right. Time to get more positive with this. I'm going to talk about some players that I want to be targeting this year in fantasy drafts. I don't. I feel like kind of weird saying all these because obviously I'm playing fantasy football myself, and now like everyone's going to know who I'm targeting. But you know what? Whatever. If they really want to come in here and listen to this pod just to target snipe me of all these guys, at least they listen to the pod and. Fuck you if you're doing that. If one of you guys in this 10-man league that I just set up is actually doing that, it's messed up, bro. You should just leave the podcast right now before I tell you players to target. (laughs) No, I know. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. So, 
First player that I'm targeting, I'm very high on this guy, is Michael Pittman Jr. Michael Pittman Jr. was an absolute stud last year with Carson Wentz, and now he's got a huge upgrade in Matt Ryan. On top of that, not only did he get an upgrade at quarterback, he's possibly still getting better because I think he was a second-year receiver last year, third-year receiver last year. He could still be getting better. But in addition to that, a lot of the other wide receivers in that room are gone. Zach Pascal's gone. Um, man, I'm fucking terrible with names today. Either way, there's going to be a lot of volume there. I mean, just think about the other wide receivers on the roster, right? T.Y. Hilton, I think he's still there. Paris Campbell, not really doing a whole lot. Um, uh, fuck. I'm so bad with names today. What is it with me and names? Um, they've got that one dude who's caught one touchdown his entire career, and it was some bomb in the Bucks game, and... I can literally see the play, but I don't know what that guy's name is. My point is, if I don't know the name, he's clearly unproven. There's a lot of unproven guys in this roster, and then an old man in T.Y. Hilton. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be the man in this offense. He's going to get a ton of volume, a ton of receptions, and honestly, probably a ton of touchdowns, uh, given his body type and his size. I'm not saying he's going to be like Julio Jones and Matt Ryan all over again. That's not what I'm saying, because you know no one's Julio Jones. But as far as the skill set and the body and just the ability to just go up and get a ball over a DB's head. Michael Pittman Jr. is going to be someone you're going to want to be targeting. Up next, pretty similar build to Michael Pittman Jr., honestly, pretty similar receivers as far as skill set, is Mike Williams. Um, Mike Williams, again, one of those receivers, doesn't get a whole lot of separation, but he'll just catch the goddamn ball over your head. Um, he will absolutely baptize you. He had one of the best, or definitely the best year of his career last year. Um, they gave him a really good contract, so they clearly want to keep him involved in this offense. He could even have a better year this year. He was extremely elite down the field. Um, one of the best deep runners in the NFL last year. Uh, caught a ton of bombs from Herbert. And again, I think the Chargers are just going to be so damn good. Um, we already know what Herbert can do. We already know how this offense gels so well together. So Mike Williams, especially for the, again, it's it's all value. This is this is all I'm talking about with these guys. It's where they are relative to where how well I think they're going to do. He's the 20th ranked receiver behind guys like DK, Brandon Cooks, Jalen Waddle, Deontay Johnson. I'm taking Mike Williams over any one of those dudes every day of the week. So be sure to target Mike Williams. Unless you're in my league, in which case Mike Williams sucks. Up next, this has got to be like one of the more obvious ones that you probably already heard a thousand times, so I'm not going to spend too much time on it, is Allen Robinson. We all know why Allen Robinson is someone you want to target. For whatever fucking reason, he's still ranked as the... Find him. He's still the 31st ranked wide receiver. That is absolutely fucking criminal. He's behind guys like Marquise Brown, Darnell Mooney, like well behind Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney's the 23rd ranked receiver. That is heinous. He's behind guys like Hunter Renfro, Juju, Gabriel Davis, Amari Cooper. It's just criminal. Like I said, it's just criminal. He is about to absolutely feast with Matthew Stafford. The Rams spent the most time in 11 personnel last year out of any team in the entire league 11 personnel meaning one running back one tight end three wide receivers so he's going to be on the field all the time he's going to be a target that stafford absolutely loves in the red zone because he's proven he's very good in the red zone and again the rams are a very pass off pass heavy offense excuse me and they tend to pass a lot in the red zone itself. So who's going to be getting those touchdowns? If it's not Cooper Cup, it's going to be Allen Robinson. He's a big body, really goddamn sticky hands. And again, he's one of these dudes that can... He's so crazy talented, and people just don't realize it because of the quarterbacks that he's been playing with. He can absolutely cross you at the line of scrimmage with his route running, and then he can moss you at the point of the catch. So he's just an absolute weapon. He's going to be so good with Stafford. He's not even 30 yet, if I'm not mistaken. I will look it up literally right now. I don't think he's even 30 yet. So this guy is going to be an absolute stud. Um, not a doubt in my mind. He's 28. He is still only 28. That is fucking ridiculous. He is going to be so good for them, I'm telling you. You need to be targeting Allen Robinson because he should be going way earlier than the 31st wide receiver overall. That is absolutely criminal. All right, next up, another wide receiver. I've got a lot of wide receivers on this one, so just bear with me. Because, like I said, the wide receiver class, or is it a class? I don't know. The wide receiver depth this year is absolutely fucking dumb. You can find some studs in the late rounds. 
Up next is Sky Moore. I seriously think Sky Moore has a chance of being the wide receiver one in Kansas City by year's end. I just think he's that good. I loved him coming out of college. Absolutely loved him. One of my favorite receivers in last year's draft. I can find my draft rank. Oh my God, I just did it again. Draft rankings, I don't know how high he was, but I know he was definitely up there. He's, I mean, he's, he's the full package. He can do everything. He can play outside, play on the slot. He's got these long ass arms, big ass hands. Um, He's not the tallest guy, so he's not going to be catching it over you, but he's just going to run right fucking by you, and he's going to cross you up while he does it. So he's an absolute stud. He's got such good hands, such good ball control. Um, I think him and Patrick Mahomes are going to have a really, really good connection by the time, you know, early on is what I'm trying to say. By the time the year's over, he has a very good shot of being the wide receiver one because, again, who else is there? Maybe, yeah, maybe Juju. Juju was a very good um, – I believe that was his second year in the league when he had 14 yards, 1,400 yards receiving. But me personally, I just haven't seen it in a while. And I love, love me some Sky Moore for the value you're getting him at. Again, it's value that's really like pushing this list. I'm not saying like, oh yeah, go take Sky Moore in the fourth round. Like, hell no. He's going in like, where is he? Where is he? Where's Sky Moore? He's not even ranked in the top 50. Like, that is absolutely ridiculous. That's what I'm saying. So you can get him so late so it's going to be one of those late round picks you know when he's on the board when you think he might go just go ahead and pick him up stash him he's going to be very good later in the season up next another rookie wide receiver is Jalen Tolbert of the Dallas Cowboys um if you follow me on Instagram now Murphy's League was professional sports talk I actually have a post about Tolbert <laughs> Also, Sam Williams, which now they both happen to be on the Cowboys, of being one of the most underrated prospects in this entire draft, or last year's entire draft. I think he's an absolute stud. He actually has a very similar skill set to Michael Gallup, who's more than likely not going to be back by week one. And I think he's going to pair very well with CeeDee Lamb and Dak Prescott. And I think he can be very, very productive and honestly surprise a lot of people in his rookie year. I mean, I loved what I've seen from him out of college. Apparently, he's doing very well in camp. Um, he ate up the senior bowl, so I, I really like what I see from Jalen Tolbert. Up next, Alan Lazard. Again, value, 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 value. I believe he's going as the wide receiver like 40, yeah, 47. That's absolutely ridiculous. And again, it's only because when you have Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball and you, in theory, should be the wide receiver one. Well, not even in theory. He, he practically said it. And by the way, Rodgers totally... Totally grilled him. I don't know if you guys heard that interview, but Rodgers clearly heard that Devontae Adams said that he was going from Hall of Famer to Hall of Famer between Rodgers and Carr. Um, so a reporter asked him, what's it like going from Devontae Adams to Alan Lazard? And he said, well, you know, it's when you go from one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer, which obviously, you know, it's Rodgers, witty, whatever, funny. Fuck you. I hate that guy. Um, and I only hate him for football reasons. I don't hate the person, but... Jesus. Um, that was, one, really disrespectful towards Allen Robinson, but two, is pretty telling that Allen Robinson really is the wide receiver one of this offense. And if you're the wide receiver one with Aaron Rodgers throwing you the ball, even if you haven't had, you know, whatever it is, like 500 or more than 500 receiving yards in a season, I think that's a stat. I don't really fucking care. If you're getting him at wide receiver 47, you might as well take a shot in the dark. Because, again, it's not like everyone else is, like, prioritizing to get – Alan Lazard. I mean, guys like Chase Claypool are going over him. Guys like Traylon Burks, Robert Woods, Garrett Wilson, Kadarius Toney. I mean, Christian Kirk, Devontae Smith. Like, I think a good majority of those people I just named, I would take Alan Lazard over. Especially like Claypool, Ayuk, Burks. Like, no way I'm taking that. Yeah, no way. So, let's keep going. I got a couple more names here and then we'll, let, we'll wrap it up. This is turning out to be a long ass fucking episode i'm talking about these dudes for a minute all right, i got three names or no four names left so i'll i'll make it fast russell gage is up next i think russell gage is going to be an extremely good value again all about value 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 he's a late round pick he's in a extremely explosive offense with the buccaneers um chris godwin might not be 100 percent by the time he gets back so realistically he could be the wide receiver two of this offense for a little bit until chris godwin's at 100 percent and even being the wide receiver three in this offense is extremely beneficial. I mean, we saw what AB did last year before, you know, his whole thing. Um, and the year before that, AB was a serious fantasy. Like, he was very relevant in fantasy football. Russell Gage could be very similar to that. Um, he was 
very, very good in flashes last year in Atlanta. So I think we can see something similar for the Buccaneers. Up next, we got Damian Pierce of the Houston Texans, rookie running back. Um, again, there's just not really many people here to compete with Damian Pierce for touches. I really like Damian Pierce coming out of college. I think he can be a really, really good runner. Um, and I, again, as a value pick, I really like it here. Up next, I'm really speed running through these. Sorry, I didn't realize how long this fucking podcast was going for. Up next, we have James Cook of the Buffalo Bills, another rookie here. I think his skill set just pairs with Josh Allen so well because he's like more, um, what's the word? He's he's like an Alvin Kamara type, but even more reliant on the pass game. So especially in PPR formats, this dude is going to catch a shit ton of balls. Once he finds his role in this offense, which I think he will pretty early on, this guy is... He's not only running routes out of the backfield, like swing routes and wheel routes and all that stuff. He can legit line up in the slot and, you know, run hitch routes, run stuff like that just to get, you know, small gains. And he's got great hands. We all know how good his brother Dalvin is. Um, he's not quite as big as Dalvin. He's never going to be the workhorse that Dalvin is, in my opinion. But he doesn't need to be in the situation that he's in and still be extremely productive and get a shit ton of catches along the way. And again, value is everything. It's where he's going in this draft. So he's going to be a late-round draft pick for you and can have serious RB2, RB3 upside. And up next, this is the guy that I was <laughs> hinting at earlier as far as you don't want to draft injury history, but I'm falling for it again because, God damn it, I love this guy. Saquon Barkley. I'm hoping he's 100% healthy by now. The Giants offensive line should be better in theory. I mean, there's they're very young and they're they're steadily improving. Andrew Thomas had a much better year that last year than he did his rookie year. Um hopefully Will Hernandez will pick his shit together. Evan Neal is now there and again, I don't know how much this coaching staff really wants Daniel Jones to just be slinging the rock everywhere. So I really think Saquon Barkley can be in for a productive year because the talent is absolutely there. The talent's never gone away. It's just a question of health. I believe he's going to like the late second, early third, and I absolutely love that value for him. So I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Be sure to stay tuned for next week's episode. Well, I guess it's going to be coming out in what? Like, I mean, yeah, like five days here. So five days from today, we'll do some really fun betting episodes i'm really looking forward to that i already have like most of it written up because i'm very excited to talk about all that stuff i think there's a lot of really good bets and i'm feeling pretty confident in we'll see um i don't know we'll see we'll see if my opinion changes by the time it comes around anyways i hope you guys enjoyed this episode if you did be sure to leave a like um be sure to follow the podcast if you're not be sure to follow me on instagram at murphy's league a lot of new stuff coming up soon hopefully the youtube will be up and running not too long from now but with all that being said I appreciate each and every single one of you guys for listening. Hope you have a great night or day whenever you're listening to this and peace out.